Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of City of Champions, proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm very excited this week, and that's because my guest is the second of 12 Edmonton City Councillors that I plan to work my way through on the show in order to understand our city and its politics just a little bit better. But before I introduce my guest, first I must tell you that this particular City Champions episode is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio, awesome, and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. So that's huge because if you're like me, you know that working from home can get a little bit isolating and sometimes you just need to shake things up a bit. So it's located in the historic McKenney building on 104th Street and it's close to everything downtown, including that Bay LRT station. So book a tour today at unitb.ca. And now it's my pleasure to announce my guest for the week as none other than Ward 2 Edmonton City Councillor, Bev Esslinger. The councillor hosted me in her office at City Hall today, uh, where I got a chance to discuss a wide range of topics relating to her life and her job. We drilled down on some specific topics in the city, like the Blatchford development uh, that's going into the old city airport land, which just happens to be in her ward. Uh, We talked about LRT expansion throughout the city, and we talked about the interplay between the municipal and provincial levels of government. But we also took the time to get a little bit more philosophical, and we discussed things like women in politics, uh, education, and whether you should be voting out of self-interest or the common social good. Uh, It was super interesting, and I had a great time getting to chat with another one of our Edmonton City Councillors. So thank you, Councillor Esslinger, uh, for your time, and I hope you all enjoy my conversation with her. Councillor, thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's uh, it's a treat to come down to City Hall. Well, it's a beautiful venue. The city owns. Why not enjoy it? Yeah, exactly. I think this is only the second time I've been here. Wow. First time is back in 2011 uh, when I worked for the World Juniors in Hockey Canada when we hosted them, and we had some big unveiling with the team here. Oh, cool. I, I'm not. I guess you weren't in office at that point. No, yet, but. not till 2013. But we often use uh, the city room to welcome all sorts of groups. Because really, it's for citizens, so we get to celebrate together. Yeah, it, it's you know not really being very politically inclined. It's it's interesting for me to now learn like how receptive and how open city council is. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're all public servants and mm-hmm. doing the good for for as many people as possible. So it's it's refreshing to to learn how receptive everyone here is. Well, often people are just aware of the headlines and they don't know why people got into office or what they actually do. Uh, so it's it's great when people ask us those questions. Yeah. Well, that's actually a great, a great way to talk about sort of your history. But before we jump into that, obviously this podcast is called City of Champions. And in my research with you, you said something that I hadn't heard before. And I think it rings really true, obviously, when we're talking about bringing that slogan back to the city in 2017 you said true champions don't call themselves champions 
And I just thought that was that was really interesting. And there's so much to unpack. It was such a divisive topic. It is. It seemed like it was a very very closely split vote between the councillors um, whether to bring that slogan back to the city. What is it about that topic? Do you think is is gets people so up in arms? Uh, I think people are really proud of the title, but everybody you talked to had a different reason that we are City of Champions. So even though people liked it, uh, some felt it was because of the volunteerism during the tornado. Mm-hmm. Some felt it related to sports teams. Yeah. Uh, everybody had a different interpretation of it. And so uh, in really talking about modern municipalities, a lot of them don't have those taglines mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, uh, as you said, I said, really, heroes and champions don't like to be called that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Edmonton has a great history of volunteerism and of people coming together to make the city great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't need that title to do so. Right. Edmonton also, to me, and just for a little background, I, I was born in Edmonton but grew up in Vancouver from the time I was about 1 to 22 years old. I was out in Vancouver. Um, Edmonton, to me, as, as a relative newcomer, seems like a very understated city, right? Like there's a lot of like very impressive, very wealthy, powerful people here, but you would never know that going to you know the bigger functions other than the fact that those people are there. But it seems like no one's really flaunting money, you know, compared to other cities. Some would say it's the Canadian thing to do. <laughs> uh, others might maybe it's the Edmonton thing to do. I, I just think we don't really brag very much mm-hmm. about ourselves. We mm-hmm. don't blow our own horn. We just do it. Yeah. You know, uh, people that are involved with philanthropy just do it. Mm-hmm. They give to make things happen in the city. People come together to create great ideas, uh, and they just like to do it. Um, with no expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's the spirit of Edmonton is, you know, let's do it. How important is authenticity sort of in life, but specifically in, in your line of work at this point? It's everything, because I think people don't, they want the real the real deal. They want to know um, what you care about. They want you to be upfront. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's room anymore in politics for um, facade. So I think it's part of who we need to be. Yeah, I mean, people seem to be able to sniff out pretty quickly if you're being your authentic self. Um, where it gets confusing is when we get fed information by the media and it just seems like we're getting fed like both extremes of the of the same topic. Like this person's extremely great or this person's extremely bad. It's, it's very hard for the average person like myself to sort of sift through all that, mm-hmm. make a decision, go, is it, you know, is this, which of these sides of the story is the right one? Or is this somewhere more, down the middle? <laughs> somewhere more down the middle? Well, it's like in any argument. If you hear two sides of an argument, mm-hmm. the truth is probably lying down the middle, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's the same way. And knowing I've been involved in those decisions and then I read about it and it's not quite the same mm-hmm. interpretation that mm-hmm. I would have put on it. Um, you could see how a perspective can can slant it one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I guess uh, that's where I think social media kind of sometimes gets down to a little bit deeper than just the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and people start talking about it. I mean, I appreciate people ask questions. What, what's that about? Well, actually, it's about this and this and this. It's not about that. Right. Um, For me, whenever I try to, when I vote no against something, Mm -hmm. I try to tell people why. Right. Um, You know, that I've thought about it, that this 
is why I'm leaning that way. Um, sometimes you might, through debate, change your mind, and that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should happen. You should be able to persuade one another of through the debate. Um, but uh, it doesn't really help to just be entrenched on two sides. It's mm-hmm. better to uh, kind of work through it together mm-hmm. or come to a place you can agree on. Right. Um, and I think at the city, the majority of our decisions are that way, mm-hmm. um, where we've come together and agreed on the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean there's never close votes, but that's not the majority, that's the minority. Right. Well, even something you just said there, you know, come to an agreement based on a debate, there's a good example of even just slightly changing words can drastically alter, like with the dissemination of information, um, you know, people's response to that. Like mm-hmm. a debate to me would seem like something where you're trying to win, whereas a discussion would be like you're trying to come to a mutual agreement that you both can say, okay, we've come, we've, we've disregarded our previous stances or maybe one person has and we've come to an agreed on a conclusion well we have a process and that's scheduled it's the way it's done yeah. it's it's uh you each get five minutes you get to ask questions first mm-hmm. of your administration and then you're going to um have, make your statement or you put that out mm-hmm. there uh, sometimes I know I have said, you know, I could support this if it said this and this, <laughs> not that. Yeah. But as a way it stands, no. Like, so you kind of let people know where you're, where you're leaning. Of course. And things can change. It can be amended and changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless you get everyone else willing to go down the way, it's just your thought. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, there is a process around it. Um, but the way it is, it's you speak, then you speak. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm responding directly to you. Right. It's just the way it is. Right. And you're always battling time, right? Like you'd love to give more time to probably every issue that you could, but but other things need to get done. Sometimes we're, we're, we have we get to speak for five minutes, then the next guy speaks for. Five That's minutes. not a lot of time. Uh, you know, and so <laughs> we're already, we're past five minutes already. <laughs> so it's. You know, it's it really talks about you really need to read your reports and, and mm-hmm. understand it before you come in, and then you're going to ask questions of the administration. Mm-hmm. And we can go several rounds on that, but at five-minute intervals. <laughs> so how is it that, well, firstly, what was your experience like growing up in Edmonton? I mean, what you know, how did you think of this city, and has that changed over time? Well, I didn't grow up in Edmonton. Okay. Well, you've I, been here for a number I've of years. I've been here for uh, 35 years. Okay. More than that. I came in 81, so. Okay. Okay, so um, I grew up in BC, like you. Perfect. Um, but I came here uh, as a young person because there was work. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family moved here after that because there was work. Um, and uh, so I got married and raised my children here. So Edmonton is my home. It's mm-hmm. where I've lived the longest. Um, and I guess my whole perspective is uh, making it better, mm-hmm. a better place to live. I really never thought I'd get involved in politics. Uh, that would never have been what I thought. Um, I'm the oldest of six children. And uh, my parents... Uh, my, mo- my mother was her foster child who was never adopted. And so in my lifetime, she had over 60 foster kids live with us. She always felt like even if they were there for a short season, that she could make a difference if they knew they were loved and mm-hmm. cared for and valued. And so actually that's kind of how I, when I had kids, I started fostering. And I found out I don't want to give them back. I, it was so hard. I, um 
and it was like grieving. And so I said, you know, I want to help kids, but that's I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, only yourself touch so many kids in in, in a positive way. Ah, uh, so I, you know, that was going on in my life, thinking, you know, in my work background is nonprofits with family and children. Mm-hmm. So I found another way of doing it. Um, at the same time, my kids were in school. I got involved in the school system. Um, and it was before an election. A uh, school trustee was retired. He says, why don't you run for school trustee? And I go, why? I, that's like political, like too much. <laughs> and he says, you think you've been on every other committee in this school board, so you might as well try that. And I go, well, I don't know about that. Um, so I thought about it. I thought, you know, people are making decisions about my children's education. Why not me? Hey, why not me? Yeah. And so I ran and I failed miserably. Oh, no. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but eventually I, I did win and uh, I was on the school board for two terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, four years I got to serve as chair of the board here in Edmonton. And uh, my family, my mother was uh, ill at the time, and I wanted to be part of caring for her, so I stepped back from that, didn't run again. Um, it was prior to the next municipal election that uh, Kim Cashel was going to step down, and uh, I got to know her as she was the counselor in my area. And she says, why don't you run in my place? And I go, what do I know about municipal <laughs> politics? Yeah. And... So she goes, uh, I'll help you. She says, what I do know is that you'll care for the people. I've mm. seen you do that in the school board, and that's what's important. Right. And you can learn the other stuff. You've got the underlying foundation. Of so, you know, governance, and you can learn the other stuff. So mm-hmm. I said, well, she goes, I'm going to help. Uh, and she did. Um, and I was successful, and this is now my second term. Mm-hmm. And she's been a great mentor and supporter all along the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are able to make a difference in different ways. Now I get to, for the last two terms, I've been uh, leading the Child Friendly Initiative. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm impacting the lives of children in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last term I was the only woman, so I was involved in the Women's Initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now have two, so yeah. we've doubled. But um, it allows you to raise awareness in different areas and, and bring attention to in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I'm working on as well is the gender-based violence prevention. Mm-hmm. It's not a women's initiative, a women's issue at all. Uh, gender-based violence really is a community problem. And so we took it out of the women's initiative and made its own initiative to raise awareness to domestic violence, sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of great people on the ground supporting people going through it and doing lots of things, but I wanted to use my voice, and I joined forces with Councillor McKean, to raise uh, the issue in the community and realize we do have a problem, we need to do something about it. So that's one thing uh, we can do, uh, is use uh, positions to elevate concerns and Mm -hmm. hopefully bring a change in our community. So one thing you said is is when you were going for school board trustee, you thought, well, people are making decisions about my kids and and I should get involved. It seems like one of the biggest challenges in politics is making people care about the things that don't impact them directly, at least not at that moment in time. Um, You know, is that talked about at all in council and politics in in other groups or boards? How do we get people to care about these issues that maybe aren't their problem now but might be in the future? Well, in, in any realm. 
uh, people don't speak up unless it, it affects them mm-hmm. often you know no one talks about garbage till you say it's going to change their garbage pickup <laughs> right and then they're going to start calling yeah uh, right other than that it's just part of uh, what they do right and the same with elections you 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 hope people will come out but what 30 some percent came out to the last municipal election mm-hmm. so that's like unbelievably low uh, it's sad uh, more come out for provincial and federal and I'm hoping in this election you're gonna see way more people right. coming out um, but we don't know um, what do you think the reason for that is you know I asked some people and they'll say I don't vote and I'll say why not mm-hmm. some won't even talk about it mm-hmm. others will say well it won't matter what my vote won't matter yeah uh, it won't matter at all um, and other people just feel like governments are terrible they're gonna do it anyway like, it doesn't, like <laughs> that's really a, cynical there's a distrust out there about mm-hmm. governments mm-hmm. I mean you look around the world there's this whole anti-establishment movement mm-hmm. you know let's vote for people that aren't politicians they have no clue what they're doing uh, uh, let them, and um, I think politicians, you want to have a group of people that's diverse. Mm-hmm. You want men and women, you want different backgrounds because together they're making decisions and you want to be able to understand different perspectives, mm-hmm. um, things you haven't thought about. Um, and that's what a, a decision is made when you're able to look at it from all sides and then make it, make the right decision. Right. Do you think a lot of people are sort of intimidated by the process of politics and they go like, there's so much to, to, to take in and synthesize that it's almost like, I'd just rather not, like I got so much going on in my own life. I think people are busy and people are feeling overwhelmed by life. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't deal with that right now. Yeah. And I think there's a, a certain portion of that we're hoping that when people get their information out, you know, I'm thinking the flyers I got home, you know, that, and everyone's got a website nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, that they can go and dig that information, but it takes time, mm-hmm. right? So typically what we do is we talk to our friends, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Have you thought about who you're voting for? Right, sort of community knowledge. Yeah, so, right? you know, and that may not be all the facts. Mm. Or it might be misinterpreted facts, right? Your, your, your neighbor might have the best intentions, but have totally misinterpreted something. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I encourage everyone to vote. If you do have a stake in it, mm-hmm. get out there and vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when my daughter, she was saying, she was living out of the province at the time, and she was, there's an election here, but none of my friends are voting. I told them they better get out there and vote. They don't know how important that vote is. <laughs> and I said, I'm very proud of you that you're voting and yeah. that, you know, you're encouraging people. But they just felt like it was, wasn't, was you know, that's mm-hmm. not for them. And uh, You know, it's not a perfect system, but it's the system we have. Right. Well, it's the best system that's so far in human history that we've come up with, right? Right. And, you know, if, you know, I remember my dad used to say, you know, if you don't vote, don't complain. Yeah, that's that's you know, a great saying. Uh, so that, you know, you don't have a right to speak up if you're not willing to be part of the solution. Yeah. Um, and it does take work, but I think, you know, all good things take work. Mm-hmm. Does your job change day to day in the midst of a provincial election? Um, my job changes day to day. Regardless of the day. Regardless of the provincial election. Um, so... Uh, 
our work continues on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we serve constituents. We have you know meetings to support different initiatives. We meet with constituents, and we have a regular council and committee meetings. That work continues. Mm-hmm. It has not changed mm-hmm. at all. Um, we're interested mm-hmm. on the election. Uh, what's good for Edmonton? Mm-hmm. We've been saying you know ask about how it impacts your city. Right. What's important to your city? You know we want affordable housing in our city. We need continued investment in transit. You know, ask your people coming to your door some of the questions. You know, what are you doing for Edmonton? Right. How is this going to help? Um, so we are able to raise some awareness about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get into telling people who to vote for, why. Mm-hmm. We just say, think about these things. Right. Yeah. Ask these questions. Well, it makes sense because there's probably um, provincial parties that would be more in line with what we as a city and what you as a council or even as an individual councillor would be looking to to get, because obviously you guys lobby the provincial government for funds on a multitude of things. Now, the municipal government only collects 8% of the total taxes, and that's what we do our work with. Okay. We are dependent on other orders of government, Mm -hmm. provincial and federal, to fund large projects, Mm -hmm. infrastructure, affordable housing, uh, LRT. So we're dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, so we want whoever's in power to work with municipalities to try to fund the things that our communities need. Right. Yeah, of course. So we have a stake in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's lining up a little bit differently. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of the question I'm coming to. Do I, do I vote for my own self-interest or do I vote for the social good? This seems to be uh, sometimes at my lineup, but in some cases it might be a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. The things that might positively impact me as an individual's bottom line might might not be what lines up the best socially for the most number of people and the, the biggest social good. What's what's the right call there? You know, I think every individual has to come to that conclusion for mm-hmm. themselves. Um, whatever rationale we use uh, to decide who to vote for, because some people will tell you, well, I really like this candidate, but I don't like the party platform. Right. So who do I vote for? Yeah. Right? So there's that, right? Um, at the end of the day, you want someone that's going to represent your views mm-hmm. predominantly. Right. And, and make votes based on what you support. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, who's most aligned with where you're thinking. Right. Um, and it's great if you get a candidate that you feel you can connect and call and they can navigate the system for you if you mm-hmm. need them. Yeah, I mean, in your experience, has there ever been candidates that you um, resonate with 100% where you're like, I like them, I like their party, and I like everything that they're talking about? Or is it never a perfect? I don't think it's never perfect. I think it's who's got the most. (laughs) Most checks. You can can strike off the bottom ones pretty quickly. You're like, okay, hard no, hard no, hard no. Here's who's left over. Now let me suss through these guys. Yeah, and that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not easy. If it was easy... (laughs) There wouldn't be an election. There would be no, no discussion uh, about it. Right, and it's how they interpret it, mm-hmm. right? You know, this one, you know, just look at ex- education, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good example. You know, some want to change the curriculum. Some want to invest in teachers' assistance. Mm-hmm. Some support uh, smaller class size, which is the right answer. Right. Like, you know, so you have to figure out, of all the things they support, who's got the most checks in the box. Right. In your experience, what's, you know, obviously plenty of experience in the educational world, 
what's sort of the biggest issues with our system as it stands? Well, we have a great education system in Alberta, um, but we have a very uh, complex student body, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, who's going to meet the needs of those students? We know all the factors. We know smaller class size allows you to give support to all the children. We know the value of a strong curriculum. Mm -hmm. We know the value of having uh, schools where they are and kids aren't on the buses for hours. Mm -hmm. So those are all pieces to the pie, right? Mm and it's not easy because many school boards struggle. They need new schools and they're busing kids more than they should. Others say we don't have the resources to put extra support in the classrooms for kids that need it. Mm-hmm. Kids are very complex these days. <laughs> right? I mean, we all are complex. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you want to be able to give everybody the opportunity to be successful. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's an interesting sort of philosophical question of, of education, like differentiated instruction, right? Like... You know, are, are we going to go with the strategy that helps the most number of people or do we spend more to try and be as more as individualized as possible? Maybe I learn better when you stand up there and lecture or maybe I learn better when it's one on one and you're showing me in my book, you know, or I mean, it's it's got to be hard to. The best system looks at all those things. Right. Uh, and balances it out, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same in a municipality. Um, we, we provide recreation centers for people. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean we can make people go. Um, yeah. We have libraries. Um, libraries today are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are far more than books. Some have recording studios yeah. and those 3D printers and, and all the supports they provide for people. Computers for those who don't have a computer at home. Uh, it's not as simple, you know, but if people don't go to them, they don't know the resources that are available. 100%. I just joined the library for the first time four years ago. I had no idea all the things you can get courses for free, you can get books, audiobooks, uh, ebooks, everything. Yeah. That's, so, you know, it, we try to respond to a changing world. The library is a great example, it's been very successful. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, we won the Library of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, very positive things, right? But that all takes investment and dollars, right. and as municipality, you're balancing the dollars, right. right? How do you make sure everybody has equitable access to services? Mm-hmm. I'm from the north, so you know, do we have a rec center and a library and all the other pieces everybody in the south or the east have, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we have to, we are elected in a ward, but we vote for the whole city. Right, I wanted to ask you about that. So, um, I have a specific area. Mm-hmm. Um, or two, my hood. Shout out to Ward Two. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and so, we have, we represent that area. We mm-hmm. meet with the constituents on that area. We have that. Um, but when we vote, I don't vote for Ward Two. I vote for what's good for the city. Right. But if there's an issue, uh, Coronation Rec Center came through the last budget. Mm-hmm. Um, we need additional funding to finish the rec center there. I presented it to my colleagues. Mm. They supported it. Gotcha. But I vote on the Lewis Farm Rec Center, mm-hmm. you know. So all those pieces. So we are voted into office by our ward, but we're representatives of the whole city. Right. So is it your responsibility to present Ward 2 issues to the other councillors? 
or is that does that come from administration? Um, it's a balance, okay. right? Um, they might come forward and saying, "Here's a recreation plan." Mm-hmm. We said there should be a rec center within 15 minutes of everybody's home. Mm-hmm. That means we need to put one here and here and here, and these are our priorities: one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And so they are coming with recommendations. But there's sometimes you hear about things and you need to raise them as well. So right. it can come either way. Right. So because it's super proximate to me, the um, the 49-unit apartment complex in Inglewood that's, mm-hmm. that's just got rezoned for. So you, if I've got this correct, um, great. If not, correct me, please. Um, so it got approved to be rezoned. Um, mm-hmm. And you put forward a motion to say the developer should really do more community outreach um, before making a final decision. That got denied. Yeah. Is that correct? That's correct. So you were kind of speaking up on behalf of Ward 2 residents mm-hmm. and, and voicing their concerns. Yeah. Well, uh, a number of them had come forward mm-hmm. and they spoke at the public hearing Um, and one of the things about Inglewood was they were saying you know we don't come here and oppose everything that's not who we are right Um, but this one doesn't quite right Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a great history of working with our developers to come to some sort of compromise so my hope was knowing that and, and was saying Let's give them a chance to work it out. Yeah, maybe makes sense. maybe it's thirty six. Mm-hmm. I, you know, because mm-hmm. they were okay with the twenty four. It was <laughs> so. I would have loved to say, you know, could we get a couple more months to see if we can have that dialogue mm-hmm. with them? Uh, I felt it was what my community would have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't win the day on it, um, but you know, I can hold up my head high because I felt. That was the best situation. Right. Um, you know, we win some, we lose some. Of but we try to speak to it. And so everybody says, well, I'm not sure about that. And, and we all, it's hard when you're making those decisions. Mm-hmm. What's right, what's wrong. Um, so you listen to one another and try and come up with a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And when, you, when you're listening to the concerns of, say, neighborhood residents or, or the leaders of the community, how do you suss out what what is a legitimate concern versus what is more of look we just don't want this headache or we don't want this change or we don't want you know we like our community how it is and we don't you know almost like anti-progress in a way just because it's it's great already you know and you hear a lot of that Mm. um we hear that um and i guess for me it's kind of some communities that would say i could live with this but not that Mm -hmm. And I had a community that someone was going to build a small apartment building, and it was on the end of the apartment building. My guess would probably council might have supported that. And I said, your best bet is to work with your developer and see if you can come up with something you can live with. What's important to you? Mm-hmm. Development's coming. Mm-hmm. Change is coming. But what's important to you? And right. for them, it was family homes, and they actually negotiated with the developer and said you know we write a letter of support and he was going to build five skinny homes instead mm-hmm. um, and they were all came and supported him and at the end he never did build anything financially but <laughs> it was um, an opportunity to say what change is appropriate how can I live with that right um, so you have that balance right mm-hmm. some people worry about parking sun shadowing a variety of issues, right? And yeah. So you've got to listen and, and ask your administration a question. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Mr. Transportation Expert, is parking an issue? Have you done an analysis of that? And often there is, and they say, well, no, it won't be right. based on this. So you have to have that expert balance. Mm-hmm. Um, often there's a sun shadowing study if it's really too big, and yeah. so you understand who will be impacted and when. Of course, you don't want your backyard sunspot to be impacted. So those are important things to understand, mm-hmm. right? Often community members may not be aware of that or a variety of reasons, right? right? So you want to ask their concerns. Right. Is it um, with sort of a, a more leaning towards big data and statistics, does that make your job much easier to be able to rely on the facts and figures and go like, I know intuitively it feels like this is not good for you, but here's all the positive statistics of this situation. Um, sometimes you can do that. Um, but community is very personal to right. us. It's mm-hmm. my you're changing the feel of my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And change is hard when someone's doing it to you. Mm-hmm. When you're leading the change, it's A-OK. Right. You want everyone to feel like they've got a say in the matter. They've so had their voices So that's heard. why it's important to have the community engagement as part of those processes, mm-hmm. right? So people can come and see it, ask questions, understand it. Sometimes you need to take time away and think about it and understand the implications. Um, and community members are very open about sharing those thoughts with us and mm-hmm. you might have this group that likes it and this group that doesn't so mm-hmm. you're really trying to weigh all that but we also represent those who haven't shown up of course right there's that silent majority so you're thinking what's best for the this area what's best for the city right and so it's a balancing act yeah that's interesting to think that loudest people might just have the most against it but just because someone doesn't show up doesn't mean they're for or against it so you got to kind of think in a very big picture mm-hmm. well selfishly i live on 122nd street and 100 between 112th and 113th ave so i read that there's a sixty-three thousand dollar commitment to the park right across my street so selfishly that's great for me <laughs> well uh one of the things that we've uh, worked towards is to when they're doing uh, something that's bigger than anticipated in a community, that that contribution, mm. community amenity, there's a formula now on how much they need to oh, okay. give to the community. So it's very fair. Yeah. We're not negotiating at the last minute. Yeah. Um, but there's a formula that they will support, right? Because right. there's an impact on the community if, they're, if we're increasing density. So therefore, to improve their community amenities somehow makes mm. sense. Yeah, that's not a shakedown of like, wow, you got to throw in this too. And that's why formula is very good. <laughs> um, so the Blatchford development, mm-hmm. would this be the biggest thing that's gone on in your in your tenure in, in your ward? Well, it's 550 acres. It's the largest one. <laughs> and I was elected in October and it was officially closed November 30th of mm-hmm. the same year. So I did not make the decision to close it. I had a clo- an airport that was going to close. Right. Um, so obviously during that election, a lot of discussion about that. Mm-hmm. The decision was already made. Um, and principles were established about to make a real sustainable community. There was very specific principles they wanted to develop on, and a plan was already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to, the chance to see it. I mean, it took a while to recycle the airport. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, dig up a runway, there's layers to it, recycle it. Right. Um, and it wasn't as environmentally 
uh, hot spots uh, that were of concern, as many as people thought. But okay. we've dealt with anything that was there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now it's in, we've got the first four builders announced. I understand there's been a number of sales already. Mm-hmm. Uh, people eager to move into the area. The light posts, the roads, the fire hydrants are in place. District energy's there. So it's just really ready to, to blossom. Uh, people say, when is that going to happen? It's happening. Yeah. Like it, it's here. Yeah. What's exciting because how how often do you get a chance to develop that much land so close to city center in a major city? And we're able to put the LRT right in the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's already approved with funding as part of the uh, West LRT. We mm-hmm. also got right up to the Yellowhead so that there'll be two stations in Blatchford okay, so in the, the next few years. So, so I think the, by 2024 they should be there. So in the same phase as, as from downtown out to West Edmonton Mall, it's also going to go up to Blatchford. Yeah. Well, that's, that's at the edge of uh, Nate right now and that's a temporary station. Right. It'll be moved on the other side now that the land is mm-hmm. able to be developed and there'll be two stops in Blatchford. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next phase will be over the Yellowhead and into the Northwest. Right. Of course, that's in the heart of War Two, and I'm eager to see that. <laughs> of course. Which is why I'm asking the question of provincial parties about their investment in LRT. Yeah. <laughs> because we need to continue that investment. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say investment into LRT, do you mean specifically LRT, or do you just mean rapid transit of some form or another? Well, transit, LRT. Mm-hmm. The whole collection. Yeah, I just at one I, about a year and a half ago, I had a guy on my podcast. His name was Dan Corns, and he was uh, had a proprietary technology and company called Magnavate mm-hmm. uh, Technologies, and it was a maglev train. And so I read his whole white paper and talked to him about it. And I think he had petitioned city council to to hold off for a year on We've a decision. We've looked at some of the alternatives. Yeah, and yeah. I've always just wondered, like, yeah. what what are the explanations between behind not going with them? Well, we have to link into the systems we have. Right. I think that's the biggest one. It needs to be compatible with where we're, we're going. Yeah. Um, and again, once we get our core system in, the expansion, there'll be other opportunities to try new things. Oh, okay. Right. So I, I don't think that you can rule out anything into the future, right? Mm-hmm. And, and some of those may replace uh, transit in the future, right? Because mm-hmm. they're really, you know, they're a different, whole different system. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, we have, we're a major city, we need to have LRT. Mm-hmm. We continue to grow, many people don't have vehicles. Um, and LRT will get people off the roads. Mm-hmm. So even if you continue to drive, like 64% of the population, um, the roads should be a little emptier. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it seems like the best alternative, best option is to, to not make driving inconvenient. It's to just make public transit a better option. Right. That seems like the most successful cities with public transit is what they yeah. do. And, and I'm a transit taker. I haven't had a car in a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and Which is why we're doing the bus network redesign. Right. Because we have neighborhoods that are not served well by our transit mm-hmm. system. Um, and so by having some more direct routes for them, they can walk a little farther and get to a really direct system. Mm-hmm. Some of the folks in the northwest corner of my ward, it takes them an hour to get to university, so they're not taking it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you had a, and, and the plan is to have a bus line direct along 127th Street and then get to, mm-hmm. you've reduced that time considerably, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we're not doing it in isolation. We're we're looking at our bus network yeah. and approving that because um, that too is subsidized for Edmontonians mm-hmm. and looking at an LRT system. You know, they're all different layers to it. But mm-hmm. we haven't given up on developing the roads. Fought really hard last term um, as part of the team to get the Yellowhead become an actual freeway. Right. And that's underway. So that's getting like either the over or underpasses, so it's un- uninterrupted. That's right. Yeah. Removing all the lights. <laughs> Such a funny, like a funny road. Like I remember when I first moved here and driving down. I'm like, what is this? It's a Yellowhead freeway highway lights on it yeah so I mean that's been a long project coming but right. it took other orders from government to support mm-hmm. us and do it and so um, I think probably another eight years before it's all finished right but it's well underway and mm-hmm. change is coming so again we're still investing in, in all yeah is that um, you know what are those are those faults of poor planning from from long time ago? These these decisions was it just lack of foresight in the growth of Edmonton? Like, what were the mistakes made in the past? I don't really know how Yellowhead became a trail or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, as long as I've been here, it's been a trail. But our city has grown considerably over the last few years, and part of this is growth pressures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think everybody anticipated the growth that we've had or even thought about that. Um, so uh, I know there was seasons when we didn't invest uh, as a city in maintenance of our roads and we're, we're still catching up on some of that. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to continue the investment. It's like you own a home. You, you can't not maintain your home. If not, it's going to cost you way more in the right. end, right? It's the same with the city, mm-hmm. the same premise. And there's years there was zero budgets and no one did any improvements and we're still paying on that. Um, so there, I think there might be some in planning, but some in just how you manage the money. Mm-hmm. As a politician, how do you manage the the, the sort of push pull of of short term reelection versus long term goals that are going to take more than four years to accomplish? Uh, if you are voting just on things to get reelected, you're really not in the right business. Yeah. Um, like all the time you'll get people come and say well if you do that I'm not going to vote for you again um, sorry I, I have to vote the right thing Yeah. Uh, I have to live with myself mm-hmm. and I have to do the best job I can mm-hmm. and if it means I don't get reelected I don't get reelected right um, so you, you kind of you got to just deal with that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you realize, I'm here to make the best decision I can of this season of my life, and get as much of the facts as you can. You s- it won't be perfect, right? No, nothing is. You just got to get it as close to it as possible, I guess. Right, and that's why you're not the only one. You're working with a group of people, right? Um, earlier, you said when you say no to something in a vote, you usually try and give an explanation as mm-hmm. to why. Are you? As a counselor, are you mandated to do that, or could you just say no? That's it. Well, you vote. It's once they call the vote, right. the vote's called. But mm-hmm. prior to the vote, they ask him. They wants to speak to the vote, mm-hmm. uh, and I usually try to if I'm saying no because I think you know people should know why I don't agree with that. Because mm-hmm. um, if there's twelve people voting yes and we're all saying yes, why are we having this conversation? Right. Um, but you kind of get a sense which ones are. Where you need to speak up. I, I just want to be honest why and let people know my thinking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I'm sure there's controversial no's, and but there's also controversial yeses. In of which course. case, you probably want to give your explanation. And you do. You speak it to it at different times. Um, and it's not perfect. Sometimes things happen so fast, and you know. But that's where I try to do it. And mm-hmm. I think you know, we all have our own ways of dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Some people use a blog after and talk about it after. Yeah. So everyone does it differently. Right. Yeah, and it's cool that you guys have the freedom to do that. It's not like lips are sealed. Sorry, we can't discuss that. Like everyone that I've talked to so far, you seem pretty open about, uh, you know. And you, if you're not accountable for what you voted, <laughs> you're in the wrong business. What's your relationship with the media like? Uh, I think pretty good. You know, they call, I answer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do you ever feel misrepresented from time to time? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, overall, they're pretty good. They, you know, they ask you the questions. They often ask, so what else, what should you ask? Anything else you want to say? They always give you that option, so. But sometimes they report on the meetings and you don't talk to them. They've recorded the meetings and they record what you say. Right. So you have to be really mindful that what you say, mm-hmm. not only does the media bring it up, but it's on the internet and mm-hmm. people can follow what you say. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're on Twitter now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, has that? When did you join Twitter for? Uh, before I was elected. Okay, okay. So you're in that landscape. You kind of understood how that worked. When you were elected, did that become a more toxic place for you? Yeah. Um, for example, you know, you do something, someone doesn't like it, they let you know of course. right away, right? Um, there's been some negative stuff and people also thank you for the work you're doing as well I, I want to say it's both mm-hmm. it's just a communication tool mm-hmm. right it's a way to get the word out there um, you know a lot of women don't like politics because they don't like that <sighs> negative stuff that you have to deal with mm-hmm. um, and it's there people say nasty things they don't like it um, but at the same time it's a tool to get your message out right and that's the way I view it yeah of course you can reach more people but you've got more people coming in the opposite way too and right. and unfortunately you've got that that veil of distance where people say things on there that they would never say to you in person no right and, and like I'm sure you get much more negative things online than in person absolutely <laughs> absolutely and it might be on Facebook it might be on uh, Twitter mm-hmm. it happens right it's our society is doing that now yeah uh, we, we feel more confident and more emboldened to speak our minds oh yeah than we ever did before mm-hmm. before you got your chance when you elected someone now you can tell them the next day mm-hmm. what were you thinking you know and sometimes they question why and whatnot right mm-hmm. um and you have to be mindful that there's three followers on that person and they <laughs> don't react so much right, right? But it, you, it is, you have to kind of, um, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or a phone call or an email, mm-hmm. any of them can be, uh, can blast you uh, negatively. And so you just kind of got it's part of what happens. Mm-hmm. Do you handle the pressures of the job pretty well or does it take a toll? Some days are easier than others. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I, I have a family that supports me, and you know, you can kind of go and get some space and decompress. I, I like to say I, I handle it pretty well, but I know that's 
there's days that it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's got to be because you've got to almost have two completely opposite minds about it you've got to care so much that every little thing impacts you but you've also almost got to care not at all to know that you're doing the right thing right you've got to learn not to take it personally Mm -hmm. and that is not easy you know i voted and sometimes it's your colleagues you it's controversial you've had a vote Mm -hmm. someone votes against what you want to do (laughs) you look at them with kind of a sideways like someone (laughs) asked me one time and they said you're talking to me? And I go, am I not supposed to talk to you? And they said, well, I voted against your idea. Mm-hmm. And I said, is that what you believed? Yes. Well, then I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I voted against someone else and they didn't talk to me for two weeks. I said, oh, I don't play those games. Right. I don't try. I have to expect that they're doing what they think is best. And I may not agree with them. Mm-hmm. And they may not agree with me. So I can't take it personally. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes when you get you make a decision, and it doesn't matter what you decide, you're going to get blamed for it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you can't take it too. I mean, you take it seriously, but you can't let it affect you. Right. Well, you've got to have this ultra confidence in yourself to know that, like, look, I'm doing what I think is right. So, no matter what other people say. But then again, it's like, well, maybe they've got legitimate concerns. It, it blows my mind. I'm super impressed by, by yours and the other counselors and all politicians' ability to balance all these inputs. You know, and we don't always handle it well. Sometimes you just like, I just got to go home and right. decompress and be away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like reading murder mysteries. Okay, oh, that was uh, my next question. What's your favorite thing to decompress? Uh, you know, because I'm solving another problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's nothing to do with you know but everybody has their thing right mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I find it just takes my mind off of things uh, I have uh, three grandsons you know family is important to me mm-hmm. uh, so you know when you spend time with them you realize you know I'm doing it for them I you know I want to create a better system for them right How old are the a better city nine months four years old and six years old wow okay yeah. so fun, the fun ages right? yeah yeah see they i put them on the campaign trail with me oh awesome <laughs> uh, yeah they do they give um they don't give you a crash course in in politicking when you come into city council do they well you get uh orientation on the job and how do you do a meeting and all that right not about the soft skills i right. guess would be how right. do you handle stress or mm-hmm. not that right uh, how do you balance family life with work that's uh, you can't possibly go to every invitation mm-hmm. how, which ones do you say no to no one teaches you and that and saying no gracefully right uh, and how do you balance that right I look at it I can't go to every event every year and so I have to pick and choose and you know sometimes they're all on the same night mm-hmm. right so you for me it's my work my ward first mm-hmm. then my initiatives <laughs> anything that's related I do traffic safety mm-hmm. I do the women's initiative child friendly gender based violence mm-hmm. so those are kind of areas that uh, I take a lead on so mm-hmm. those are oh and child friendly so you know I'm inter- you know that's kind of my hierarchy of right. saying yes right yeah and there's other counselors that take on other Absolutely. objectives and initiatives because they're close to their heart because they do yeah. more directly impact them I'm sure so and that's who you want heading those things for them to go to yeah. right 
and you don't have to do all things, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it all today because you're here four years. Yeah. Um, and you want to balance that. Right. So it's not easy, but, you know, for me, I put, uh, I set my calendar with this is family time. That's, mm-hmm. I reserve uh, dates with friends just so that I have that balance. Because when I leave office, mm-hmm. I still have family and friends. Yeah. And, it's just yeah. a job at the end of the day, right? You know, you got to balance that, right? Otherwise, you won't have a life when you're done. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not healthy for anybody. Yeah. It's an interesting job because, I mean, you get voted in. Are there are there any specific prerequisites? Are there any, like... Yes, you have to be 18. You have to be 18. You have to be a Canadian. Canadian. And you have to live in the city of Edmonton. That's it. I don't think you can be a criminal. Okay. I'm not sure, but that's... So those four things, and you're, and, and you're clear to go. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Like that, those might might be the lowest restrictions to any job, but also one of the hardest ones to get. So you know, people when they vote, that's why it's so important for mm. people to figure out who is running. Yeah. And why are they running? What's their background? Yeah. You know, um, I think it's great. We have all ages um, on council, all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to see more women. Mm-hmm. That's been what I've been working really hard to encourage more women to run mm-hmm. um, because I think your council should reflect your community. In ours, that's 50% women. Mm-hmm. It's also very diverse. We have some diversity now, um, but you know it should reflect your mm-hmm. community. Do you think there's less women because people are voting for more men or because there's less women who are running? Yes. Both? Yes. I'm sure it's both. Uh, Some people won't vote for a woman. Right. Uh, old culture. Yeah. Um, for some people, that's not it. I don't want to be elected because I'm a woman. I want to be elected because I'm the best candidate. Well, yeah, that's that's always my the so, first thing that jumps to mind when someone says there should be more women in this. I go, well, maybe, sure, but shouldn't it be the best people available? And maybe that is all we, women. Who knows? I've said that to someone when uh, the cabinet was 50% women and someone will said, oh, that's not good because, you know, there's men missing out. And I said, well, maybe it should be 75% women. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they're qualified and they're right, like... Yeah, I don't care. It could be 100% women for all I care, as long as they're the best people for the job. But what we had is we didn't have a lot of people running. Uh, and so last time we uh, created a course opening the potential mm-hmm. uh, to talk about what the job is and teach you how to run mm-hmm. try to encourage you to run and we saw a good increase in the number of women running mm-hmm. um, it hasn't translated yet to um, a lot more women though we've doubled mm-hmm. um, but unless we get women good women running mm-hmm. we're not going to get able to elect them right right and and that's really we had wards there was no women running in mm-hmm. There's no way a woman can win if they don't run. Right. right? So, but a lot of, as you were talking about, social media, mm-hmm. balancing life mm-hmm. are reasons women aren't running. Right. Well, you know, especially if you're of, you know, you have a young family, you don't want your life to be put on the, you know, on the podium or there could be so many reasons too. Maybe, you know, maybe women are fine. Young families never worry about that. Yeah. But men just tend to be more like, I don't give a shit attitude anyway, on the whole, not, not totally, but on average, I think men are more like just, you know, I don't care, you know, almost stubborn in a sense. So... We need to encourage more women. That The data mm. tells us that women need to be asked. Women don't think about politics. Mm. They think, yeah, I can do that job. Yeah. Women think, oh, I've never thought about that. That's historical context, yeah. right? Because there just hasn't been as many. 
And so uh, we encourage, we ask women everywhere to run. Yeah. Uh, and encourage them to think about it. Mm-hmm. And support them. And, and that's how we're going to get more women running. Mm-hmm. And that's where we'll get more women elected. Could be a good... In a party system, they can nominate 50% or they can get more that way. Mm-hmm. And that's a different way of doing it entirely. Right. Because um, there's control at a different level. Yeah. Um, but again, it's... You got to uh, get people interested in running, and so right. we were trying to demystify the the job mm-hmm. for women to say, "Hey, you can do this." Yeah, you know. Well, I think it's it's good to demystify this your job specifically, just so everyone understands. So, I mean, everything in life is a matter of how much you understand from someone else's shoes, right? Like that's how we're really going to be successful for the next hundred generations of people is having that empathy and and really seeing the world from other people's perspective. And that's we try to bring that to our jobs. Mm-hmm. Now we have scheduled meetings. We have committee meetings, and then we all have different assignments or, or responsibilities, whether it's an initiative or we sit on different committees. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I sit on, see Edmonton uh, is a member of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. Mm-hmm. I represent the city on the board of directors. So that's my role, which means I travel across the country to board meetings to do that on the behalf of the city of Edmonton. Um, so we all have different pieces that we we take on, and then there's all the constituent stuff plus meetings and events. Right. So we all balance a little bit differently. <laughs> what uh, when when a young person comes in or, or any person comes in and, and says, "I want to learn more about what your job," what what's the best mm-hmm. way to direct them? Bring them in for a day and shadow. Do you send them a bunch of information? Do you send them your schedule and be like, this is what you're signing up for? Like, I say go to a meeting. Go to a meeting. And those are open, right? They're open. You could also watch online. Yeah. You don't even have to come to the building. Yeah. Um, I said, see what it's about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people have run and they've never been to a meeting. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to understand this is how we do our work, right? Right. And then you're able to have a different conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go to classes and they ask, what's the most important skill that you need to be a politician or city councilor? I said, you have to read lots. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, you get reports um, for a council meeting, you get them on the Thursday, it might be 700 pages. Uh, you've got to go through it, get ready with questions, ready to answer intelligently mm-hmm. and ask the questions. Because you're deciding on something, you better understand it. Right. Sometimes it's only 150 pages. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be able to read and comprehend fairly good. So I said, if you're thinking about it, really bone up your literacy skills. That's right. going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, really, it's some of the issues. You, it is a learning curve when you come on. Um you know, do I, we say you have to figure out how to learn to work with media, but most people I find um, have some score, some experience if they've been on a board. Some people don't know what it's like under our governance. Mm-hmm. They can go to a community league or a nonprofit and sit on the board and kind of gain some experience. Right. They kind of get that on a, a different scale, mm-hmm. uh, and that prepares them what they're going to face but not everybody's done that either right you know um we all come from different backgrounds some are from business mm-hmm. uh, some from education scott was a journalist everyone's different yeah 
And I think that, you know, having more varied backgrounds equals a, a greater sum. Right, because you just don't think about that perspective, perhaps, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Scott's a good example. He comes from a journalist's point of view, and he'll talk about the words or when we say it like that, the impact of it. He'll look at it from a different way, yeah. and you'll go, oh, okay. Sort of more of a psychological approach. And then you'll other people will look at it and say, you know, from a business perspective, that wouldn't make any sense because mm-hmm. this and this, you know. And I would say, well, what are the implications on families? Or... Um, financial responsibility of the city like yeah you know it's nice that we all want all these things but we can't afford all these things right um and so uh i i guess i'm fairly i'd like to think i'm conservative in my spending mm-hmm. uh you can't do everything mm-hmm. with the dollars right yeah and that's that balance because you'd love to get to a zero tax increase too mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things you got to do right right and you got to take care of some of the most vulnerable and balance that with all the other needs, right? Mm-hmm. Some people don't like that we spend any money on bikes, separated bike lanes, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, okay, so that's probably like 0.01%, like a small percentage of the total roads budget. Mm-hmm. Probably those people aren't using the roads, so it seems equitable to give them something. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the scope of the big budget. Yeah, but everyone's got a problem if it negatively impacts me. If I if I sit in traffic for an extra minute and I see no bikes go by, all of a sudden I'm mad, right? Because it's it's you know inconvenienced me. Or if their lanes are snow cleared first, mm-hmm. it's like, how come they're cleared first? Yeah. You know, um, and so it's that balance, right? And snow is a great example. Some years we have lots, some years we don't. Um, it's a big budget item. People never get enough snow clearing. Right. Uh, we can't stop it from falling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so every year we have, in the summer, we always debate it in the summer. You know, what is the policy? Are we going to change it? You know, is it five centimeters before we'll pick it up? What is the, What is it? Some towns are seven centimeters. You know, like what is ours going to be, and mm-hmm. what's priority? You know, every one of those choices is a financial decision. Right. There's dollars and cents, and and at the end of the day, those financial decisions. Though it's not a big item today, with the other two hundred and fifty items, it can add up. Mm-hmm. So, what can we do today? What's necessary? What do we have to move? the city forward and Mm. what can we wait on right and then communication to the public to say here's why we made this decision here's why we didn't do it differently in the middle of those decisions when we're making them people are weighing in all sorts of ways right (laughs) and it's just an idea we haven't voted yet right so it's like people can't wait till you've made it they want to change your mind before you go down any path well, we're, we're a, an instantaneous culture. Everything needs to be now in the in the split second. Yeah. Let's go. If it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. Absolutely. It can be but good. It can be bad. I'm yeah. sure, right? Blackford's a great example. Let's get it done now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, have you ever recycled an airport quickly? <laughs> Nobody gets to do that. We get to do that. Yeah. Airports don't, don't move that often. <laughs> no, and I want to make sure it's safe and yeah. it's... And, you know, now I'm excited. We're at that cusp when people can see things being built. Yeah. 
you get to announce it and make that meet, you know, that that press push. That's that's super exciting. This is the the best part of it, right? Right, and you know, you don't always get to you get to make decisions, and you might be building things, but it may be another counselor down the road that opens mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. don't always get to be that one, right? Yeah. Um, I remember the library in, in my ward when it came forward and we built the library and we opened it last year, and the new Calder Library. It was exciting. The community was excited, but, you know, it was a long time coming. Like, um, So when you get to do those things, they're fun, but they're the rare pieces. Right? <laughs> no one sees the 99%, the bottom tip of the iceberg, that's just the, the grueling bit of the job. You're right? fighting to get funding, finally, and then yeah. the project, then the design time. Mm-hmm. and that. So... Um, but you're building a city and uh, someone says so what really made you run i said really i think we have a great city i just want to make it better yeah uh when i look at a city though it's not all the buildings and the roads i was hoping we have an arena i said it's great Mm -hmm. and did it help downtown yep Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day what makes edmonton great is we have phenomenal people Mm -hmm. Um, and that's demonstrated uh, in many ways. Mm-hmm. We got a volunteerism culture. Uh, when Fort McMurray was in, evacuated because of the fire, Edmontonians stepped up in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be really proud of how we come out and support one another. This is why it's so concerning to me when I look at this provincial election and the nastiness that's come out. Uh, and the divisiveness of it, because mm-hmm. that's not really who we are, mm-hmm. um, or it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it'll get over, and then we'll get back to let's all get along. And, and we don't have to be the same to get along. Yeah, exactly. You can do things that I wildly disagree with, but I could still like you as a person. Absolutely, that's the name of our game. We all right? lived, uh, you know, different different lifestyles, similar, but you know, all different religions and beliefs and practices. But who's to say who's right and who's wrong? And who's, you know, so long as you're not in negatively impacting other people, just be free, do your thing. And that's kind of the way I think most Edmontonians feel. Mm-hmm. So this, what's going on now, is is sad to me. You know, I had an incident in my ward where someone was putting swastikas on signs. Oh, was that Ward Two? I didn't realize that. Uh, It's also in Ward Two. I don't think it's just Ward Two. Right. Um, But to me, that's sad. Mm -hmm. You know, don't vote for them. (laughs) Yeah, and 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 what is what is so like what is doing that. How is that positively impacting your cause? No one looks at that and go, hey, Notley really is a Nazi. I didn't know until I saw this sign that was defaced. You know, and it's, I, I just, it's an ugliness of people. Chances are that's not someone who really has any strong political belief. Chances are that's just some, some short-sighted, you know, unthoughtful person who possibly intoxicated in one way or another and just decided to do something boneheaded. Or a kid. You never know. Well, I mean, a part of election, when you run an election, you, it's not just getting signs up. Hmm. It's keeping them up. Yeah. Every weekend they're knocked down. <laughs> Have they ever considered in these elections putting in a rule that you can't negatively talk about the other parties? It's like you can promote your own party as much as possible, but you can't speak negatively about others. I think it would be a phenomenal rule. Yeah. That's kind of the rule I live by. I don't yeah. talk negatively about my opponents. I just talk Plus about in front me. Of you. <laughs> Not even if they're in front of me. I, I wouldn't. Like, you go to a forum, it's mm-hmm. not about bashing them. I, I don't think you need to bash them. Yeah. I think you need to make your cause. Yeah. And let people figure out 
which of the ones that aligns with my thinking. Mm-hmm. It's that emotional reaction though. It's like, oh, they, they slighted me. Well, I got to get them back or I got to one-up them. That one-upmanship is, is very that's difficult like, to resist. That is not nice. Yeah. Now, that's what the, you know, you see, saw some of that at the political debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I talk about debates at council, that's not the kind of debate. We debate the issues. Mm-hmm. We don't debate people. That's good. We, we have a rule out front, a code of conduct, that mm-hmm. we will stick to the issues, not people. Yeah. Um, be hard on the issues. That's good. Like it's um, what we've agreed is our code because that's not, we're here for four years. We got to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes mistakes are made, errors are made. You don't think that person feels bad enough. Yeah. Reminding them how they've made that mistake is not going to help them. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, don't pile on when things are bad. So, what are the next steps? Mm-hmm. How do you plan to move this forward? Mm-hmm. It's obviously not what you anticipated, so what's next? That's what we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because if we're building a city, we're also building our staff within the city. Mm-hmm. And if they feel confident, I mean, if you're going to go and do something, there's a bit of risk if you try something new. Mm-hmm. If not, nothing will ever change. Yeah, and we've got to give people the ability to risk. Mm-hmm. Got to risk and the opportunity to fail if it's if it's a fail worthy endeavor, right? But learn from that and grow and improve because you don't grow without adversity and without some type of opposing force. That works on individuals, but no one allows that if you're a city. <laughs> well, counselor, um, I appreciate everything you do, as as I'm sure most people in the city do if not all of them uh, whether they admit it or not and thank you for taking the time to sit with me oh you're welcome this This, was fun this has been a great chat Um, I'm going to continue I think making my way through the city council who who do you think is going to be my biggest challenge to lock down I don't know mayor is a busy guy mayor okay so I'll, I'll funnel up towards him. Well, he's very busy. <laughs> and I'll get and I'll get all twelve of you to put in a good word, perhaps. <laughs> all right. That all right. Sounds great. Thanks so Thank much. You. Have a great day. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. I sincerely hope you found it both entertaining and educational, just like I did. Uh, one final shout out to the Edmonton Community Foundation and their host show, The Well Endowed Podcast. This bi-weekly show is hosted by Andrew and Elizabeth, and in it, they explore the impact of passionate people working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Uh, Great goal, if I do say so myself. Uh, The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how these endowment funds intersect with the community. So check it out at thewellendowedpodcast.com. As always, I'll link to everything you need in the episode notes. And also, as always, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next week.